Joe Leonardi was with me on one of the most important days of my life. When Catherine Wood and I got married on June 27, 2002, Joe videotaped the ceremony at the old Deschutes County Clerk's Office and the gazebo at Worrell Park in downtown Bend, Oregon. He was as much a participant as a recorder of our wedding 20 years ago. For years after that, Joe was my go-to guy when I needed audiovisual help in my work with Central Oregon Jobs with Justice and as a volunteer programmer at KPOV. He was especially helpful when I produced a radio tribute to Dave Sheldon in 2011. Joe always had time to chat when I dropped by his media arts office in the Source Building in Bend before he moved it to Sisters. I produced about 870 radio shows in my 15 years as a volunteer at KPOV, and my favorite live show was on October 16, 2010, when Joe joined me on a music show I started at that station, The Psychedelic Protest. It was Pledge Drive week, and I asked Joe to come on the show to talk about his early rock and roll influences while coming of age in New York, and we had a rockin' good time. What you hear is mostly Joe talking about the bands and the scene he was part of in New York in the 1960s. I've had to edit out the songs we played because podcasters can't get the music licensing rights that radio stations enjoy. And I've also edited out the pleas for pledges that we both made during the two-hour show. That leaves about 22 minutes. I hope you enjoy listening to us and hearing the voice of Joe Leonardi, who did so much to build and embrace community here in Central Oregon. There will be a celebration of Joe's life at the Belfry in Sisters, Oregon, from 2 to 7 p.m. on Sunday, November 13, 2022. Thanks to KPOV for digging this 2010 show out of the vault. Joe Leonardi was one of the original members of the KPOV Board of Directors, and he videotaped much of the station's early history. He's one of the pioneers who created KPOV. On with the show. And this is the old hippie, and I'm here in the studio today with Joe Leonardi, my friend Joe. How are you, Joe? No, good, Michael. Good to be here. Yeah, it's great. It's great. We got a couple of old hippies here, and uh, <laughs> we both got our reading glasses on. Joe forgot his, but fortunately, this old hippie, I have him laying all over the place, and I had some in my glove compartment. <laughs> I'm proud to say that I was one of the founding mem uh, board members. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm sorry. I meant to say it. Joe was one of the original KPOV board members here at KPOV, and what? why did you decide to do that then i know you had to step down because of other obligations but what uh, what does community radio mean to you well it means a lot uh, especially you know talking back in the early days in the 60s when fm first came in and that's when radio to me was inspiring it's like i was hearing things you know first of all the quality was so much better than am right and i was hearing all of this this great music that i wouldn't otherwise hear so that was one of the motivations i had for getting on the board and i'll tell you the being on the KPOV board was probably one of the biggest commitments I ever made because that was a serious working board. We were putting up antennas, wiring the studios, getting equipment donated, and uh, it was it was quite an experience. And I'm really blown away to be here and see how it's grown. It's 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 amazing and 
how important KPOV is to, to Ben? We're, we're playing some bands from New York City. Uh, if you haven't caught, if you haven't figured it out by now, Joe comes from you. You were were you born in New York City? Hey, huh? What do you think? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I had guys, I had guys telling me if I don't be careful, they're gonna be swimming with the fishes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all right, so that's probably one of the reasons we're going to be playing some of this music here is to avoid all of that. Um, <laughs> and you were in a band, Joe plays bass and and sings he's been in a number of different groups with his with your daughter and with other people here in the community over the, over many many years he's really a you know joe is really a major player and major part of the music community here in central oregon but but you first started playing in new york city new york city i started playing when i was 16 in bars back then and the bars stayed open till four in the morning in new york and I was on the football team. So I played in the bar Friday night till 4 in the morning, got up and played a football game. That was a... What position did you play? Linebacker. Got my ass knocked off. <laughs> anyway, uh, one of the first bands I played with was called the Pastel Four. And uh, I was designated to play bass because I was, I was the least best guitar player. So I got on the bass, but I, but I love the bass. And we played at uh, numerous clubs and venues back then and it was a uh, really uh, quite an experience although i developed some bad playing habits because the pa system really sucked and we had to play really sing and play really loud to get through the crowd noise and everything cuz this so, was a bar scene that you were a you total were bar at, yeah. a total bar scene yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But so uh, Pastel Four—that's not a real psychedelic name. So that must have been in the early '60s or mid, mid, or mid '60s. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was '60, '61, actually. Really? Wow. And uh, the Beach Boys came out about then, and uh, Jan and Dean, and we we did some feeble attempts at getting those great harmonies, the Beach Boy harmonies. We did hit it. There was a, a machine called the Echophonic that just had come out, and that was a tape echo machine. And that really helped our voices out, you know, like yeah. made it sound like uh, there was something more there than was. <laughs> and so you played these these clubs. You you told me that you played at some point, you played at a go-go club. Yes, the Metropole Cafe. Oh, I've heard of the Metropole Cafe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that place was still around when I lived in New York. I lived there in the 70s and 80s. That place went from 11 in the morning till 4 in the morning. And it was like three bands that d did a shift, and we... Sometimes we had to play the late shift, and we were done at 4 in the morning. Then we had to get up at 11 and play the early morning shift. And up in the green room with the go-go dancers that looked like they were death warmed over, too. The Metropole Cafe, you told me, was right around the corner from or near the uh, the famous... Uh, Peppermint Lounge. Peppermint Lounge. Yeah, with Joey D and the Starlighters. Yeah, yeah. An interesting thing, after Joe told me about this and, and suggested that we play some, uh, some Joey D and the Starlighters, I did a little research and learned that... Uh, in 60, 1965, a guy named Jimmy James uh, played guitar for the Starlighters, and we know him better as Jimi Hendrix. And he was a he was a guitar player for the for the Starlighters. Charles Neville, one of the Neville brothers, played for the Starlighters in the sixties. Joe Pesky, the actor, played Amazing. guitar for the Starlighters. Yeah, and they were an integrated group. Amazing, and all of that from. The Peppermint Twist. Yeah, yeah, the Peppermint <laughs> Twist, exactly. So one of the bands that you said that you were inspired by was the Vagrants. Yeah, the Vagrants. So tell me about them. They, they, were, they were hot. They, uh, there, was a, there was a whole genre coming out about that time, and you know, the Young Rascals are probably the most, the most famous, but it was Hammond B3 organ right. with the big Leslies. 
guitar, bass, and drums, although the Rascals didn't use a bass player. The Felix kicked the pedals. And uh, But when I saw the Vagrants, uh, they were just a local band, and their guitar player was Leslie West uh, he, he from Mountain. And they put on such a show. They had such energy. I mean, it was one of the first, you know, at the at the end of the show, the the organ player lifted up the Hammond and threw it off the stage. <laughs> but we got actually we got that organ. We were able to repair it, so we used it in our band. <laughs> Seriously, this really ha- you, were, yeah. you were actually there, and you were, you picked up the Vagrant's organ, and <laughs> yes, were, you know, after, after the show, what are you gonna do with the organ? Well, I don't know. You want it? You know, yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. It was a B three, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. Hammond B three <laughs> was just like it was the classic. He and McLaughlin played the Hammond B three. I think did the, did Ray Mazurik and the Doors was they was that a Hammond B three? No, actually, that wasn't. That okay. was a a. a, 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 a Fafiza, uh, Fafiza, I think oh, it was okay. called. Anyway, but, yeah, it's a great organ. Hammer but uh, the B three is still you still see it on stages now. I mean, That's right. it's, it's a classic. Yeah, the Vagrants they they were such performers too. I mean, they just really got down and and they were playing a style of music. Uh, actually, they were they preceded the Vanilla Fudge, which was another big group. Right. So, so they were an inspiration to, to me, and uh, they uh, I, I still carry carry the Vagrants with me. As I said earlier, I can't play the music we played during that day on the radio because podcasters can't get the licensing rights that radio stations have. So you'll just have to imagine listening to the Vagrants, the Vanilla Fudge, Joey D and the Starlighters, the Young Rascals, which may be just as well with the Vagrants. Joe, this is not the vagrants you remember, you said. No, no, no. I have to redeem myself on that. <laughs> I'm sorry, brother. It was the only thing I could find, you know. <laughs> you know? Well, I guess that's uh, probably that, those recordings are probably the reason they didn't go any further than New York. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, was that, it was a live performance, you know, and, and it's something that bands deal with even, even today. You know, capturing, people see them live and they say it's great and they have a CD and then they get their CD and they take it home. This didn't sound like them. This is not what I – and, uh, you know, so it's a it's a real challenge. And, and when a band can do that, when they can capture on on a recording their live performance, that's a, that's a big plus. And I'll put a quick plug in for my daughter, Anastasia. Who, yeah. We played I, – I sat in with her last night. We, we were playing. And uh, the first set, she, she just uh, was with her band and her – and I got to really listen, and she's coming along. And and the thing that I was most impressed with is that the recording she's working on now is like really captures her live performance. So that's a a big plus, a big uh, thing, and I'm really happy for her. But the, getting back to the Vagrants, I guess the the thing about them was their performance. They got into it so much, and just you know got the whole place going. And uh, and where did, where did you see them in New York? What what was, venues? Uh, you know, I forgot the name of the the club but it was in long beach new york out on out on the island it was a it was a big concert hall uh club and then there was another place the beach house we that we played at that was another big uh, venue back back in those days there was a place called westbury out in long island i don't know if that well, well yeah westbury I, that's where billy joel was yeah that yeah nina that simone old. played some shows out there yeah I know, back yeah. Then. yeah and I, actually that's where i saw the, the vanilla fudge grew out of the vagrants preceded the vanilla fudge and the Vanilla Fudge were able to take it to the next level. They they made it to the Ed Sullivan Show. Their their big hit was uh, one of the great uh, examples, I think, of a group interpreting an, another person's original song, "Set Me Free." Why don't you, babe? 
Was the Supremes? I think did that. No, you keep me hanging on. Oh, you keep me hanging on. Yeah, yeah. You that keep... was that was the Supremes, though. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it's a. Yeah, you keep me hanging on. I'm pretty sure they did a whole nother version. A, uh, yeah. Where else can you hear? I mean, where else can you hear such coherent, intelligent conversation like we're having? <laughs> we did listen to the full eight minutes of "You Keep Me Hanging On" by Vanilla Fudge, and Joe was right, of course. That "Set Me Free, Why Don't You, Babe" is a lyric in that song. Uh, Vanilla Fudge, yeah, thank you, Joe. You keep me hanging on, Supreme Song. And uh, I want to talk to you about that because I know you saw them. And we also heard uh, Joey D and the Starlighters, Peppermint Twist and Shout. And, of course, Peppermint Twist was his big hit in the early 60s. Later on, he continued to play that, of course, as he went out on the road into the mid-60s. And among the people who played uh, on that band uh, in that band as i mentioned were jimmy hendrix and joe pesky and and also three guys uh three of the guys who eventually became um part of the young rascals gene cornish um eddie bugatti yeah eddie bugatti was you said was the lead singer uh-huh. and felix cavalaria Cav- cavalera player. the organ player right and so they you know they they played with the starlighters before they um became the young rascals and you saw Joey D and the Starlighters. Yes. Yeah. We were playing around the corner from them. We were playing at the Metropole Cafe. Right. And Where I'm the go-go sure. dancers were. Yeah, in cages with white boots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah I remember those days. Yeah. That, that was an um, unbelievable gig from 11 in the morning till 3 in the morning. Uh, from 11 a.m.? 11 a.m. to 3 a.m. Really? You yeah. played that long? No, there were three bands. Oh, three bands. Okay. Yeah, but, but still, you played, well, one-third of that time, or roughly. Yeah, we on for an hour, off for two hours, on for an hour, off for two hours. Wow. All, and then sometime we had to play the late shift, and then we get up and have to play the morning shift, and uh, it was a lot of bleary eyes, especially so what, from the girl dancers. Yeah, so what would you do? So you'd play play an hour, and then you'd have two hours off. What would you do? You're, you're, Just in, hang you're in the middle of Manhattan. Hang out. They they had a a crash pad kind of apartment above the, right. the, the cafe there. Yeah, and we'd just walk around. We were right downtown. It was like right off Forty Second Street. So yeah, there was a lot going on at the time. But uh, at night, when we had that those two hours off, it was cool because we get to catch you know a lot of the other acts that were going on, and jo- and the Peppermint Lounge was right across right around the corner. So we'd go over there and check out Joey D. Yeah, I mean, everybody that was listening to music in 61 and 62 when when Peppermint Twist came out heard of the Peppermint Lounge. This was like one of the most, it was probably the most famous club in the country at that time in terms of rock, rock, because I mean, I mean, I lived in Portland, Oregon, and I heard of the Peppermint Lounge way back then, way up there, so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, that, that wasn't too far away from uh, proceeding when, when the, the big hippie thing happened uh, in, in East Village. Right. That actually we uh, we were living in. It was right around the corner from uh, Electric Circus. Yeah. And the Fillmore East. Yeah. And uh, now were we, those not because ref, uh, I wasn't there. I lived le- there later. Were, were those, was the Electric Circus was Fillmore East in the same building that Electric Circus had been in, or were right, they right, different buildings? Two different buildings, right okay. around the corner. Those Electric okay. Circus was on Saint Saint Mark's Place, and right. Fil- Fillmore East I think was on East East Ninth. Uh, yeah, well, the East Village was was uh, the East Coast uh, version of uh, Haight Ashbury yeah. in the West Coast. Yeah. The same kind of happening going on there. Yeah, okay. there were great, great uh, secondhand stores. Yeah, they yeah, got record all the stores, clothes, record stores. It yeah, was, and uh, one of my favorite things, right across the street from from our apartment, we, uh, we had a rent controlled apartment on East Ninth between Second and Third, 
and uh and the band there was four of us in a band we 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 got it from a friend who uh was rent control back in those days the rent control just got handed down yeah and the it was really inexpensive rent 40 bucks a month <laughs> 10 bucks a month each i mean you had to fight off the roaches <laughs> And uh, you know, I was uh, I was lucky enough to see the Cream at, at Fillmore East back, oh, in, back in those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that performance they did there. And you know, it was a good example of like that was a, a real uh, you know uh, evolution of of music occurred. You know, before that it was the doo-wop stuff. You know, the oldies but goodies, and it was like four chords, and you could play just about anything in most of the band. But then you know, when the Beatles came in, and and uh, the whole sixties thing happened. With Cream, Clapton, I mean the musicianship, and it just kicked music up to a whole nother level. Right, and that and that had a big impact on what you were doing. Oh, absolutely. We I had mean, to all of a sudden get with it, you know. I mean, you out. started. You said you started out in a band called the Pastel Four. The yeah. Pastel Four. What What were some of the other band name, names of bands that you were in? God, I'm trying. Uh, I'm trying to. Remember. You know, I totally forgot. And my friend from New York, I should have asked him these things because he remembers all. I bet of there them. were some pretty spacey names, though. Yeah, totally. You know, Just, I mean, you know, people came up. People were coming up with all kinds of strange names for bands back then. The Fugs comes to the mind Fugs. as a, them. Them, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. was Van Morrison. Yeah, yeah, Van Morrison's <laughs> first band, a great band. Yeah, well, Vanilla Fudge. You know, I mean, what you know, where the heck's that come from? You know, and, anyway. and Vanilla Fudge that well, that cut that we just heard that was one of the things that impressed me. It was like such a production number. You know, they went from changes and that whole introduction. They hear some mid, Middle Eastern things, and th- and like Sting is doing things like that now. And so they they were they were ahead of their time somewhat. You know? Yeah, they definitely had an impact. I think a lot of people, list, a lot of musicians, listened to them and and got turned on to new you know like just exploring new ways of looking at music and, and they were and before the rascals so i think right right about the same time right that i'm here with joe leonardi oh yeah yeah and joe's a local musician uh you know anybody that's 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 pays any attention to the to central oregon's local music scene you're also a videographer joe yeah i i met joe when Catherine and i got married in 2002 <laughs> We thought, well, we you know, let's let's videotape our our wedding. You know, we had a couple friends from California, and we went over to the county clerk's office to the gazebo over there, and, and another friend of mine here in town. I said, "Where can I find a video a video person?" You know, and they said, "Joe Leonardi's the guy." And sure enough, we documented the most one of a kind wedding that I've ever seen. That's for sure. Thank you very much, Joe. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It even even featured Bobo the Clown, as I recall. <laughs> yeah. Surprise visit by Bobo the Clown. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I want to thank. My good friend, Larry Farrell, and he says, really digging the East Coast flashback. Yeah, Larry grew up in Bensonhurst, and... Uh, yeah, shout out to Larry. Hey, Larry, hey, eh? What, eh? <laughs> there you go. God, I wish he was here. He could come right... I mean, I swear to God, he could come right back at you with that, yeah. So, the Young Rascals, so uh, we were looking at their liner notes which are in about four point type here but you know i'm trying to and you were saying that you remembered that they started in long island and sure enough it says here at, at the barge the in, barge in, in west, west hampton yeah yeah they so, were making a lot of noise back then yeah and so you saw you had opportunity to see the young rascals back then yeah i did but uh uh we got we got a little bit um how should i say altered in an altered state we we before we left and we couldn't make it there <laughs> yeah, I 
I'm totally unfamiliar with that experience. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, have, I have no idea what you're talking about, but, but yeah, no, I'm actually, that's absolutely not true. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. yes, indeed. So you were actually on your way to a, you, a rascal's uh, show, yeah, and, but you couldn't barge. But, but we were too anxious to, uh, to take the stimulants. So we took it before we left and we didn't make it there. So were you lost somewhere out on the island, on Long Island? Uh, yeah, we went to Sh- Shirley. Which was is way the hell out there. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah, know. I remember that's in the other county, right? I, yeah, Suffolk, 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 Suffolk County. Suffolk yeah, you county. remember that stuff? Well, I lived in Queens. I lived in Flushing, so you know, I was kind of on the edge there. You know, I knew, I didn't get out there too often. I didn't. Ha- I didn't have a car for a lot of time, long time. So, but, but yeah, I, I was. Re- but I was raised in Valley Stream, and and Valley Stream had a bunch of Brooklyn transplants, and all my friends that that I had in Val- in Valley Stream for, were from Brooklyn. It was me. It was Joe Leonardi, Joe Cavaro. Joe Savino, Joe the Animal Vespucciani, Joe Recuglia. I remember all those guys. A few of them had broken kneecaps, you know. <laughs> We're kind of morphing into Sopranos territory yeah, here yeah, on right, the psychedelic right. protests. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the young rascals. Now their big hit was Groovin. They were they were in costume. Right. They their knickers and, and they were uh, knickers and high socks and then they had the little shirts with the ties and the yeah. rounded collars. Yeah, just like the young the rascals, rascals in the in the the old uh, uh, yeah. shorts, the right. comedy shorts, the right, films, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a good band, a good band. Good uh, band. When I was coming of age and listening to music in 65, you know, that on the West Coast, you know, that was, you know, that that was that for us to us, that was like we kind of identified that as that's the East Coast rock sound. Absolutely. You know. B3 organ. Yeah. With Felix kicking the bass pedals. Yeah. They didn't yeah. have a bass player. I, I often have to ask my friends, you know. So, I, you know, I remember going to a friend of mine, uh, Sam Mateo, and saying, so, uh, so I went to see Chuck Berry at the Fillmore. Were, were you, was that with you? And he kind of has, for some reason, his head's a little clearer uh, than mine. And he said, <laughs> he not only knew that he wasn't there, but he knew who I was with. He said, "No, I wasn't there. You were with Ron. You were with him." Yeah, you know? yeah. So you know, it's really, help- friends. It, it's really helpful to have friends that that have um, memories. It could be really tedious too, though. <laughs> I have a friend like that, and it's just like every single little thing he remembers, every detail. Like, oh my god! For me, it was really a great time to hear music, but it's also when I learned a lot about music. Well, you know, the music led led the, that whole movement. It was a movement that it was occurring at that time. That's right. And it was a it was a beautiful movement in in so many ways because it was the whole idea of one. When the Beatles hit, it was like the 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 planet was wired. You know, like glow. It was the first time when music took globally. You know, to, it wasn't broken down anymore. And uh, it's really uh, unfortunate that um, that 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 was lost in, in certain respects because it was a it was really a profound time in, in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. And I really believe that uh, you know the the the, uh, the establishment was really um, threatened by that movement. Oh yeah. And uh, and what broke the, what broke the movement were the drugs. Yeah. And I and I I believe that the FBI <laughs> were part of. Oh, injecting I, the, the the whole drugs into that scene, you know, yeah, cause it, yeah. it, it did break it down. Some of the substances that we were involved with back there were relatively benign compared to some of the harder drugs that came later and that there was a real, you know, there was a real shift. It was about love, you know. And, yeah, and, uh, it, and it was about changing the world, you know, and, yeah. and, and music. And as Pete Seeger said to me when I interviewed him years ago, you know, I, I asked him, I said, do you think music can change the world? And he said, well, I don't know if music can change the world 
But the establishment certainly thinks that music can change the world because they spend so much time trying to repress it and trying to... Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and for us, our generation, of course, that goes back into the 50s, rock and roll. I mean, rock and roll, you know, what freaked out the establishment and the FBI and the par- and white parents a lot was the fact that that kids were listening to um, black artists, Little Richard, Chuck right. Berry, right. Bo right. Diddley, right. Fats Domino, you know. Absolutely. Our parents freaked out. Mine did. You know, and then on top of that, we started growing our hair long. You know, and, right. and taking wearing, off our clothes. Yeah, click, taking off our clothes <laughs> and wearing beads. Horrors, you know. <laughs> just, I know. And now it's all about fear. It's so much, there's so much, yeah. you know, yeah. fear. I'll sing an Italian song for you. Be, oh, in the moon, it's your eye like a bigger pizza pie. That's some more. I hope you enjoyed listening to Joe Leonardi, Sisters and Brothers. You know, there exists the tradition among Spanish-speaking people engaged in the struggle for a better world. When they lose a comrade, a brother or sister in the struggle, they grieve their loss, but also declare that that person is still at their side, still there with them, still present, presente. Joe Leonardi, presente.